Hey everybody, this is Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air. Welcome uh, to the show. Um, very good show today. I have a chat with Carrie Champion from ESPN, Coast to Coast. We had really a lot of fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. For all, all of my sports peeps out there, we talk about the finals, women in broadcasting, sports broadcasting, and uh, we even get our, our, Laker, uh, our Laker love out there. Carrie, Carrie like me, is a huge uh, Laker fan, so I think you're going to enjoy that. So I'm recording this on Wednesday morning, June 14th, um, if you're listening, and it's uh, in the backdrop of this shooting that just happened. So it's kind of a somber morning, not my usual mirth-making type of morning. I'm, it, it's always really sad when these things happen. Um, definitely, my thoughts go out to Representative Scalise. I think they said he was third in line or something like that. He might be the majority whip. I'm not sure of his exact position, but it's just terrible when this stuff happens. From my perspective, I always it's always amazing how quick people go into their political camps, which, you know, some of it I understand, you know, and I've talked about this on the nightly show before where, you know, when you do have these shootings and so many of them occur that aren't publicized too, people who are against guns, you know, see it as an opportunity to speak against gun control. People who are for guns, for the protection, see it as an opportunity to make their case, you know. And I always feel, I, I don't have a problem with people making a case when these things happen. Some people feel it's in not an appropriate time to make it, but I don't know. Sometimes it is appropriate, I think, if you're making a, a tactful argument, because sometimes it is easier for people to hear it when these things happen. And I don't think you should be exploitive of the situation in any way. I don't think you should do that, of course. Especially if you're a lawmaker, I think um, it can be an opportunity to make your case. Many times it doesn't make a difference, though, whether you're saying it when these things happen or when they're not. But it can provide an opportunity for at least people to maybe listen with different ears. My position on this is not so much uh, pro-gun this, anti-gun that. I'm just always sad about just the culture of violence that, um, God, it's just so embedded in the culture. It's just, um, it's just a horrible thing. I don't have any solutions for it. I know, if anything, that needs to be addressed more and more. And it, and it manifests itself in so many different ways. Of course, it's the most tragic when it happens with someone who has an assault rifle or, or surprises people with these types of things in those situations. They're the hardest to guard against. They're the hardest to legislate against. Many times people do it with, with um, firearms that are bought legally, too. Sometimes it's not an illegal situation, so it's hard to guard against that. You know? And what, most of the times what we're fighting is this culture where people can just feel it's okay to take lives indiscriminately like that. And that's one of the toughest things to fight against, you know. One of the issues that I did want to bring up that is kind of related to this is the things that I find inappropriate are kind of tangentially related. And the thing that comes to mind me is this Megyn Kelly interview with Alex Jones. Alex Jones is this alt-right commentator. I guess he has a radio show or something like that. I don't listen to him, but I've read about him. I know he made some horrible comments about the Sandy Hook massacre. Now, this was one of the worst uh, mass shootings in our recent history. I remember Obama, I think, was crying during the uh, press conference about it or his statements. It was terrible. I mean, as a parent, even if you're not a parent, 
it's so tough. But as a parent myself, I was, oh, God, it was a horrible day to see the grief in those parents' faces, to see the little kids who lost siblings, too, and to see a tragedy like that that was so visceral that it, it's hard to imagine that someone could make crazy hay out of that. But Alex Jones found a way to do it. He apparently called that a conspiracy, said that it was all staged, all because government's coming to get your guns and this type of thing. I mean, this is a horrible human being that says something like that. This is not like um, a position that we need to listen to to understand. You know, this is also a guy, by the way, just to give you context, he called Michelle Obama like Michael Obama and said she was a tranny or something like that. This is the kind of disrespect he has for for just humans, let's say. It does you can't like once again, that's just a disrespect for the human race. Um so I have no respect for this person. Especially in light of his comments on Sandy Hook. Megan Kelly needs to pull this interview from NBC. Some people are upset that they're giving him a platform anyway, just because of his his horrible views anyway. But especially in light of what happened this week. It's so inappropriate to have a person with these types of views on television. Now, I heard Megyn Kelly talking about, well, sometimes we need to shine a light. My job is to shine a light. No, no, no. That is not your job. And let's let's be very specific about the type of light you're shining. You're shining a spotlight on this. That spotlight is an entertainment light. You're normalizing this person with that gauzy television lens by doing this. You know, if you're going to be shining lights, how about how about instead of a spotlight, why don't you get a searchlight and shine it at the White House and try to find the fucking truth of what's going on? That's the light you should be using as a searchlight. But to shine a spotlight on this person with the only light he deserves is just a tiny little light in a basement where he can be locked up forever, as far as I'm concerned. No one needs to hear from this person. Guys, we don't need to hear from people who are on the fringes and crazy like that. We really don't. And a lot of times people say, well, we got to have a dialogue. You know, it's important for us to dialogue about this, you know. Well, yeah, dialogue with sane people is fine, but not dialogue with crazy people. And by the way, dialogue, I, I was a theater major in school. Okay, Dialogue is only one theatrical convention that is effective. Sometimes you need a soliloquy, all right? And when you're dealing with crazy people, a soliloquy is way more important than dialogue because you need to get the truth out and shut that kind of shit down. OK. And I, I'm very passionate about this. I don't you know me. I'm very contrary when it comes to these sayings that everybody agrees. Like when people say, yeah, but Larry, sunlight is the best disinfectant. No, bleach is a little better. You know, I don't know how what's going to happen when something's left out in the sun for too long. Anything could happen to that. Let's use some bleach and just let's just let's clean that shit up when it's when we see it. You know, our culture is like a, a hoarder of horribles. You know, we like to hoard these horribles and show them to everybody like there's nothing wrong with it. You know? But I, I, I'm just not a fan of these types of things. And I don't care if it's on the right or the left. <laughs> Megan Kelly had Putin on, you know, the week before. You know, can I just make a suggestion out there? Can we stop interviewing Vladimir Putin? Just stop it. All right. Oliver Stone is doing the same thing. Oliver Stone is crazy, you guys. I don't know if you've seen some of these clips of him talking to Vladimir Putin, but I don't know if he has Stockholm syndrome or what's going on. But Oliver Stone, do some fucking homework before you 
interview someone like this. He's acting like he's his buddy. He's no, he's no better as far as I'm concerned than when Dennis Rodman took the Harlem Globetrotters to North Korea and sang happy birthday to Kim Jong-un. That's basically what Oliver Stone is doing in this Showtime interview. So to me, it doesn't matter whether you're on the right or the left. There is no reason to give propaganda a platform that is unassailed by common sense and human decency. All right? You, that does not make sense, guys. It is irresponsible. It's not journalism. It's not a public service. It's horrible entertainment if that's what you're doing. it. And we don't need it right now. Okay? We already have, you know... We're already battling against, as I said, you know, the existential threat to the safety and security of of the entire culture right now as the leader of our country. So we have to do all we can to just keep our eyes on the prize, you know, with the important things that are going on. But please, let's not give a platform and a voice to those things that don't deserve it. That's all I got to say. Not a lot of funny today. It's a very somber morning, and I do apologize for that. Oh, I don't apologize. It just is what it is. But as I said, I think you're going to enjoy this talk with uh, Carrie Champion. <laughs> it is a little sports heavy, but hey, this is the ringer, man. This is what we do here. Sometimes we talk about sports. Sometimes we got a jam on that. And my conversation with her is coming right up. All right. Now, here's Carrie Champion. All right. Welcome back black on the air. Uh, <laughs> I'm here with a very special guest, somebody I'm very excited to have. Uh, she is the co-host of Coast to Coast on ESPN. It's the one and only Carrie Champion. Hey, Carrie. Oh my gosh, Larry. Um, thank you for having me here. Black on the air. Black on the air. But you don't need show. to be black to be on no, this air. No, you only need to be black on the air. No, yes, okay. Yes. I'll try. You don't have to be black anywhere else but I'll on the air. On the air. That's the only requirement. I will try. <laughs> I don't think you have to try. I think you succeeded. <laughs> I've got it. Okay. You have. All right, so this is being recorded like the morning after the NBA Finals. Uh So as one of the premier voices of sports here in America, what are are your thoughts on these finals? Um, Cavs versus Warriors for anybody not following. Yeah, if you don't know that, which (laughs) some people may not, by the way. You never know. We get all kinds of people listening to this. You have an eclectic audience. Okay, so... As a fan, mm-hmm. I'll give you I'll give you two takes. Right. As a fan, I'm disappointed okay. because um, I, I I don't like the idea, mm-hmm. and I said this, and I've been very vocal about it. I didn't like the idea that KD joined the Warriors. Okay, I want to talk about that a little bit more you in can. a bit. Okay, and and automatically for me, it made LeBron and the Cavs the underdogs because. Because you can't beat that team. I don't. Even, I don't know who could beat that team. Okay. Uh, they just had too many weapons, and so as a right. fan, I was just disappointed because I've won all along. I knew who was going to end up in the finals. One, and I'm okay with that. It was a fate to complete for you as a fan. As a fan, really? I just knew. I already knew what it was going to be, and I and I thought that maybe they get two games, but I'm not surprised that they only got one. Okay, so that being the Cavs. So as a fan, it was disappointing because I feel like the NBA, and by the way, it, probably the uh-huh. highest rated and people are watching and yeah. and so on and so forth. I know that I'm sure the company was upset that we didn't have a right. six and seven because there was millions of dollars on the line in terms of advertising sure. dollars. Right. Um, so, but I would love to, I like, I'm old school. I, uh-huh. Larry, I grew up with my mother teaching me right. and my grandmother teaching me the sport. And we would go to the Great Western Forum when it was Great Western Forum. That's right. And sit in those bleeds. the fabulous forum. Right? Right. 
And so we mm-hmm. see the nosebleeds and we'd watch the right. Showtime Lakers and she'd talk about why it was great to see yes. this rivalry. And we hated the Celtics and we had to hate the Celtics yep. because we had to. It was a it's rite of passage. It's the only hate I've taught my kids is the hatred of the Celtics. It's yeah. the only hate that matters. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm not kidding you. This is, some no, ser- this I, is serious. Kerry, <laughs> you know, you and I believe purple and gold. I'm telling you. Yes. So... For me, and, and and this is like get off my lawn, and I'm you know, not like I'm an old head, but okay. get off my lawn. I want I want it to be what it was. I'm still thinking about those years. You're living in the past, I is am. what you're saying. I have and you're not acknowledging advanced. that. I am, I am. Okay, so not. let me ask you this because you talked about Katie. For a lot of you that are uninitiated, this Kevin Durant, who played with Oklahoma Thunder, was one of the best players in the league, arguably the second best player. People have said, and his team almost beat the Golden State Warriors the year before. But why didn't they? Larry, well, what happened, Larry? Why didn't they, Larry? I think because they're one-dimensional. That team was one-dimensional. Or who didn't show up, Larry? No, that team was one-dimensional. Mm-mm. Golden Mm-mm. State was just a better team. They Mm-mm. just didn't play well. And and Steph was hurt during that series. Which is why they should have won. Yes, I agree they should have won. Somebody didn't show If we look for the stats in 6 and 7, somebody didn't show up full-time. Somebody got are you, panicky. Are you talking about KD? I'm saying that KD wasn't the sniper that we saw last night. Uh-huh. Well, Look, players are entitled to have off games. They are. Right. They are entitled to do that. He has shown up in many games and yes. there hasn't been people around him. But if he's a person that doesn't show up, why are we so mad at him of going to Golden State? Uh, I'm going to tell you why I'm mad. Okay. One, because I wanted them to win against Golden State last year. I'm that person. I'm always going to root for the underdog. That's yes, just how I run. I, I am too. So I wanted, I, when, when OKC right. did not beat the Warriors, yes. I was furious because it was their time. <laughs> I love that you were furious. I was furious. Wait, you thought it was their time? That I was Oklahoma's it was a, time? To at least make it to the finals. They weren't going to beat the Cavs, but I wanted them to upset. The, I like the David and Goliath Wait, story. Uh, hold on a second. Let's just reverse a little bit. Go ahead. The Golden State Warriors won 73 games last and year. And they Kay. lied. But... How was it Oklahoma's time last year? It was there. I didn't. Let me tell you something. It, I always was of the belief that the regular season never mattered. And we kept talking about how great okay. the regular season was. And for me, it was like there's two different well, basketballs. I think it doesn't matter in terms of people's interests. But yeah. it certainly matters as an indicator as to They're who great. are the teams that are going to show up when it counts. They were a great team. Right. So that's why the storyline would have been even better. You yes. have to understand. I'm all about the storyline and the fan and the drama. Bring me the drama. Bring me the competition. I, I don't I like want it, it to. I don't want it to be that predictable. I want to tell the story of it. Guess what? Do you remember when they were 73 and 9 and they lost yes. in the in the that's conference a great story, finals though. to Oklahoma? No, it's a better story to lose in the finals down up 3-1. Though. Yeah, yeah, that's a better story. You're right. right. That was a better story. Yes. So right. anyway, I just felt like, uh, well, one, Andre Iguodala even said it when he was mm-hmm. on our mutual friends uh, radio show, The Breakfast Club with Charlamagne. Yes, he Charlamagne. goes, we weren't, he was like, the better team was Oklahoma. They were supposed to beat us. We just ended up working, it lucked out. We won and mm-hmm. we made it to the finals and we lost. But right. that was what was supposed to happen. So yes. in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm coming back. I was like, the West is going to be so deep. The West is always deep. We're going to have this great conference right. finals with Oklahoma, sure. Russell Westbrook, and, and yeah. KD. I mean, they're going to really bring it. They're going to add one more piece. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. At one more piece that they gave away years earlier, which also, which also <laughs> right. is an indication right. of their there's some stuff going on in their front office that they're not trying they're, they're yes. not working on either. It's not just Katie leaving. Katie had probably several reasons, valid reasons for leaving. I'm mm-hmm. just of the belief that if me and you were in competition, Larry, and, right. and I'm battling you, and I want to be better than you, mm-hmm. I'm not joining you to be better than you. I agree with that. I don't respect it, but because we, I want to. What are we you. trying to beat each other in? As in now, or if you're playing basketball, (laughs) who has a better voice? (laughs) No, I mean, like, Larry, you ever see a time when Larry Bird and Magic Johnson would join together? 
Yes, it was called the Olympic team. Would you ever see a time when <laughs> Magic would go and they actually to played, the Celtics? But they actually played on a high school uh, All-American team. Not uh, when not when it's required. Not yes. when it's like not when it's required. It's for the greater and good then, of the country. And then Bird <laughs> snubbed Magic later. Magic's like, oh, all right, I see okay, how you're doing. I'm fooling with you. If that's right. how you live in. No, but Carrie, I'm on your side with this. You no, know, but I'm, I'm making the point. Like, I'm old you, school about this. And maybe if they would have done it, done it back in the day, I would be okay with it now. I've never been a fan of making making the super teams. When it was Paul Pierce and KD, I didn't really even mind it then because I didn't think of them as that super. Um, but when well, LeBron yeah. went to Miami, I was like, I was, I was like, not one, not two, not three. I was like, LeBron, you're doing this all wrong. I know, but I, I felt it was the way he left his fans. One hundred percent. But there's also a distinction here because one way is the way when management creates the teams people aren't as upset as now when players are doing it. And yeah. I, I think people have an issue with players. And and yeah. this, you can even go back all the way to Kurt Flood. Yeah. Kurt Flood, of course, played for the St. Louis Cardinals. And right. a lot of people don't follow baseball. There was something called the reserve clause in baseball, which basically that went back to the 19th century. And it was a way for owners to basically keep your players forever. And players had no rights with this reserve clause, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he opened it, even though... Kurt Flood, he had a lawsuit against the against Major League Baseball, which he eventually lost. But he opened the door to free agency, sure. which gave players more power. Now, sure. fans, amazingly to Oscar me— Oscar Robertson, good for that, too. Yes, but fans, amazingly for me, have this weird relationship with players that they— see as heroes, they don't like them making these decisions. I don't think I have a... I don't they, don't, have a they don't really like the independence of players. I do like the... Indi- I, 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 like, when I but you hate Durant for making his decision. No, I hate it on the fact that As opposed to management he, making. No, no, no. I hated that the fact that he was a superstar and uh-huh. he made a decision that a superstar doesn't make. Michael Jackson You thought it was a it. weak move is oh, what Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> Michael Jackson's not joining with Prince. Are we just going to make great music and y'all going to have to dig awesome it out. But that would be awesome if Michael Jackson had joined Prince. Actually, no. Michael Jackson and Prince, now see... Cause They're not supposed I, to join. I have so much information trapped in my head They're that's useless. They're not supposed to join. But they did join on stage once with James Brown. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, but they were on a team together and they didn't right. call it the Michael Jackson-Prince duo and go on tour for the rest of but their it lives. it would have been fucking awesome. No Perry. way. No way. No way. I disagree. I don't think I agree with no that way. Michael Jackson-Prince uh, I don't want. I don't want, I don't want right. Oprah and Barbara Walters to do a show together. I don't. I, you do understand what once I'm saying? Once again, you're naming awesome things that, that a lot of people would not be great. See. They would hate each other. It, the Eagles would be huge. It would not be great TV. It would be the best thing in the world. Those are two legends. You know why it wouldn't be great TV? Is because it would be exactly what we had in the finals. You know why it wouldn't be great it would TV? Be exactly it would be what awesome we had in the, TV. It would be exactly what we had in the finals. Awesome TV, an awesome display of basketball. Um, I, I let, really let thought we saw this. basketball at the highest level, but I will tell you it was just disappointing because we all okay. knew the end. Okay, in game three of this finals. Go ahead. Or game four, I'll say. Four. When uh, Cleveland came back and played this unbelievable game. Okay, how come the coach doesn't get enough credit for the way Cleveland played in this series. How come Tyron Lue doesn't get enough fingers? Because if that team is capable, because even though they shot their lights out, it was really their hustle Mm -hmm. that won that game, I thought. Especially... I think Lue gets credit. You don't think he does? Not for them not showing up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Say it again. I don't think Cleveland showed up for those first two games. Oh. So you think that he deserves to be talked about because they didn't show up. That's what you're saying. Oh, yeah, no. Everybody made it seem like... uh, you know, Golden State was so overwhelmingly going to crush this team where Cleveland showed they can play with this team if they yeah, really play. I don't think, mm. I honestly believe the heart and soul lies with that team, uh, with LeBron, and then that team operates, including the coach. Like, I've always said that LeBron mm-hmm. is the general manager, he's the president, he's the coach. I think Lou is very much um, instrumental, and LeBron respects him, and they get at each other. I heard, like, last year, Game 7, during halftime, there was a lot of F-U-F-U, I ain't fooling with right. you, and they they walked away and went their separate ways, but ended up winning because Lou got in his 
face and said, look, you, yeah. th- this is what it should be. However, he definitely deserves to be talked about because they weren't prepared. But that has everything to do, in my humble opinion, just my humble opinion, uh-huh. with how LeBron moves. If LeBron's heart and soul and spirit isn't in there or if he doesn't really get these guys going, it takes him forever to wake up. Because yeah. they were standing I, I by. They were standing by like, go, Bron, go, Bron. Okay, you ready? Okay, we ready? Like, it, they, do you they think need- he's too nice? I think LeBron. he is arguably the gener- the most generous superstar we've seen. Because I, I think he plays at his best when he's disrespectful. Did, Pat Riley, listen, <laughs> you taking the words out of my mouth. Pat Riley said right? the reason why the Lakers Celtics will never be Warriors Cavs or Cavs yes. Warriors will never be Lakers Celtics is because we disrespected them Correct. in the most respectful way. Yes. We couldn't stand Brilliant. them. Yeah. Brilliant. Said by a Laker. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. But he's I agree. right. He's right. So LeBron, I didn't like it when Magic and Isaiah kissed before oh, those finals. No. Who had time for that? No. No one had time for that. I'm not trying that. to feel that. I was no. out. I, would, I checked out. Like, Magic kiss, almost kiss got. after the finals. You know what? Magic done. almost got cussed out by me, and I was yeah. a baby. I couldn't even use curse yeah, words. Cussed out as a baby. Yeah. That's I was about to hilarious. say, Mommy, what can I say? Because he needs to be cussed out. I didn't like it. Uh, I, now you talk about your, your your mother taking you to games. Is that how you first became interested in sports? Was it through your mom? My, you know, and it's actually my grandmother. My mother loved basketball too, but my mm-hmm. grandmother would actually take me to the games because were no you one, raised by your grandmother. I was raised by my mom, but my grandmother, mm-hmm. my grandmother. Uh, couldn't drive. Here's a funny story. She moved, she played basketball in the segregated South in Arkansas. Really? Mm-hmm. In Arkansas, she played Magnolia. Uh, she played at her. She played high school basketball, uh-huh. and and obviously black women weren't going to college then. But she was going to mm-hmm. go to secretary school. It was a big oh, right, deal, right? right, right. Secretary school. That's great. And, um, My mother's from Arkansas. Oh, where? Yeah, she was born in Little Rock or in Camden. Yeah, yeah. That's it, mm-hmm. I, there's roots. I knew we were related. Yeah, there you go. Oh my and god. And the Pasadena connection. Oh my, we're related. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh, look. As Paul Mooney said, once you shake that family tree, yeah, enough, everybody's yeah. all related. <laughs> right. We're all connected. Exactly. They're, they're removed. There's some kin in there. Somewhere, somewhere hiding. And so uh-huh. the family moved to California. My grandmother ended up leaving uh, secretary school because she uh-huh. was sad because all the family moved to California. And she became a Laker fan, but never knew how to drive or never learned how to drive. And uh-huh. she would always go to these games, but she didn't want to go by herself. And no one wanted to go with her. So she would take me just wow. because I couldn't say yes or no. If she was babysitting me, I was going. You know what That's I mean? <laughs> so I would go. And that, uh-huh. that was my. I love like I was my first introduction to sports if you will in my yeah. life did you play sports growing up I did I pl- I tr- listen let me be honest with you <laughs> I only want honesty I ran track and mm-hmm. I was really good hurdles short hurdles not yeah. bad um and then I went to I grew to, went to school in Pasadena as you know mm-hmm. but when you go to a school that's not in your district you can't play sports oh, okay at the time. Right, and right, so right. I went to Pasadena High School, so I couldn't play sports, but I wanted to play basketball. But I was just the stats girl. So uh-huh. I would sit on the line and keep the stats. I'd be like, two points, one rebound. It's, <laughs> it's such a metaphor for the sports world in general. In right? Some ways, yeah. That For most of us, right. if you can't do, you speak. And um, for me, anyway, for most of the people I see, or they used to play and they weren't mm-hmm. that great. So, so no, I didn't play on a, a high level, but I've always thought that I was, I don't know, some Cheryl Swoops, um, mm-hmm. Cheryl Miller, Lisa Leslie, uh, Candace Parker. I think yeah. that, you know, I could take them if need be. And did I gave them a one on one. So, did you identify as, a, as an athlete as you were growing up, or did you, ever, did you ever see this in front of you as someone who would be a journalist in sports, someone commenting on sports? No. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a White House correspondent. Really? I visualized you myself. Wanted to, you wanted to be in, in hard journalism. Yeah, I was for a while, too. But mm-hmm. as a general assignment reporter, I worked in really small markets, right? So I worked mm-hmm. in West Virginia. I was like a one-man band. I carried a camera and a tripod. I did it all myself. I edited my pieces. Were you like a local reporter? Oh, yeah. I was a local reporter at the really? W-O-A-Y ABC. That was my very first job. Right Whoa. out of out of yeah, I was very serious. <laughs> uh, and I would drive around in my W-O-A-Y station wagon That's in hilarious. West Virginia. And I, I was a hard 
hardcore journalist. At least you couldn't tell me uh-huh. I wasn't. I was going to save the world in West Virginia. <laughs> you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to do it, Larry. What were kind of what were some of the stories that you reported on? Oh, was it like a lot of police blotter stuff, like yeah. murders? And, no, 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 no murders, because uh-huh. it was a really small, really small market. Uh-huh. Uh, it was like uh, somebody just hurt somebody's uh-huh, feelings uh-huh, yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, go up here to the holler uh-huh. and deal with this, that, and the holler. There was a maybe might have. That's what they called it. The, it uh-huh. was, uh, the neighborhood or the equivalent of the hood was called the holler, uh-huh. and you'd be in the holler and someone stole someone's something out of someone's trailer, right? right. Or it was really simple stuff where there's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you do this right out of college? Yeah. Or? Oh, okay. I drove across, I, I left UCLA and I drove across mm-hmm. the country in my Nissan Altima, whoop, whoop, and right. I went to... Altima, I uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like 19, I don't know, it was 1993 Altima, barely right. worked, but it got me there and I and I worked in West Virginia for uh-huh. about a year. And then I just worked in a lot of loose news markets and worked my way up. And mm-hmm. then... And at that point... You were imagining yourself heading to Washington, D.C., possibly. Oh, the whole like, time. Mm-hmm. The whole time. And I would meet people and be like, you're in a small market now. You're never going to make it to D.C. I was like, oh, you watch and see. But everybody starts in a small market. Yeah, but yeah. most people are most people rarely make it to that next level because sure. there's so many. You get tired of the hustle, right. and it's so hard, and it just drives you insane And from moving because you move so much. What was the hardest part of being a young person? You were very young. You just out yeah, of college, I, and you're literally. in a different place. No, uh, my mom was like, "Don't go. You don't know what you're doing." <laughs> I was like, "Thanks for that solid advice." <laughs> yeah. Did you? Uh, I mean, you always strike me as somebody who you. I know you're a very private person, and sure. you seem to have a maybe a small circle, let's say, of uh. friends. Did, did you create that for yourself at that point? You know, did you have like uh, more associates, or did you have any close friends? Did you have any family out there? Did you have any way to? to make it like it was home at all? Or? No, I didn't. That's weird. No, no. Mm-hmm. I, I was just, it was just me. It's, it can be very isolating. It was isolating. Yeah. I think that, but I, but I enjoyed it because I, I thrive mm-hmm. in, um, uncomfortable situations. Really? I think, and I was really uncomfortable. Mean? I mean, I, I just like being in an, in something that I'm unfamiliar with and learning uh-huh. and making it, I like it to be difficult. I don't want anything easy. Yeah. Um, and that speaks to my personality in so many ways. <laughs> You like that challenge, the try to carry champion exactly. and not carry runner up. Exactly. Right? So, no, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I was sad, though. Like, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I was in West Virginia. I had just yeah. moved from UCLA. I was living in Westwood. Now I live in, like, Bluefield, Beckley, West Virginia, population mm. two. Um, and the mayor called me colored. I was like, where the hell Wait, am I? Wait, the mayor called you what? Yes. She came up to me. I had been on air for Did a couple of months. Did you say colored? Yeah, with a D. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Don't you dare be offended because I was laughing and she was so sweet. She's like, uh-huh. honey, would you like to meet our colored lady? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I, was, I, I think she just called me colored. And I was just like, a pause. And I was like, um, sure. <laughs> and But I knew she wasn't being racist uh-huh. because it was just that small. It backwards, was genteel. It was genteel. And uh-huh. it was that small backwards town. You know what I mean? Where... I remember telling somebody I had met, can you believe you called me colored? And he was looking at me like, no one's called you colored? <laughs> like, They're like, wait, what, you're what, not colored? What's what the, the problem with you? It was just funny. Uh-huh. So and it was a great experience. And so I think all along hmm. the way, every market that I moved in, I just learned something. And I moved on and moved on and I learned something. And we would always cover sports. So it was inevitable that I would just go solely into sports. Well, how did you make the transition? What was your, what was your moment where you said, you know, and I want to do sports as opposed to, Instead of going to the White House, you went to the clubhouse. I got fired. 
Um, and you got rehired. fired in West Virginia? No, I got fired and rehired in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Some some years later, they have a lot of coloreds in Atlanta. They have a lot of coloreds in Atlanta. <laughs> I was a, I was an unruly colored in Atlanta. Unruly. And they were like, we got to get her unruly. Were you an uppity colored? I was I was like, don't be talking to me like that type colored. You know what I mean? And um, they were like, get her out of here. I don't like this type. So in Atlanta. In Atlanta, I was. How working, long were you there? I was there for about two and a half years. Uh-huh. And, and were you doing sports at that time, or I, more just? I was regular, doing general uh, assignment reporting. Uh-huh. It's a pretty big market, so I knew that. Right after the after Atlanta, I was in my mind because you know how you have everything written out, and I realized a long mm-hmm. time ago that once you plan, it doesn't work the way you want it to go. That's absolutely so right. So I yeah. stopped planning, but that was my first lesson in stop planning my life. I had a list of where I was going to go. I was going to leave Atlanta, then go straight up the road to CNN because that's where CNN was that's at the right. time. CNN and Coca Cola, uh-huh. like the right. two things there. Right, yeah. and TNT. <laughs> and TNT, I was going to go right. over there. I was going to just knock their socks off, and then probably just be in the White House covering, doing hard hitting stories. Me and mm-hmm. Barbara were going to like I had it. Laid. Larry, it was so it's you, so funny. Barbara Walters and Oprah. Were I mean, be we just would have been like, "Hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> right. Hey guys, hey Oprah, hey Barb's. What's right. it? <laughs> That's what it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. And um, and I got fired because um, and I and they knew I didn't curse on air, but they didn't like my attitude. It had nothing to do with my on air performance. It was mm-hmm. my off air. They I thought had, you cursed on the air. Yeah, which I didn't. They thought I said mother sucker, mm-hmm. which we do say as black folks. But they were like, uh-huh. "You really said f," and I was like, "No, I didn't." And you know, I didn't. But at the time, mm-hmm. I had been such a little shit starter. I had I had bothered them <laughs> off camera uh-huh. that it didn't matter how great I was. I on love that camera. you acknowledge you you had issues there. <laughs> oh my god, I was such a little. I mean, I was like, well, I. Why I, were you a shit starter? What well, do you mean by that? Because well, what they does that wanted mean? you. Well, were you going against what people thought you should be doing? Is that what you mean? You were yeah. going against. The expectations? Well, there was a big story, um, and it was my story, and I had owned it, and this kid was getting out of jail, and I wanted, and his mom called me, and I was like, oh, my God, his mom just called me. She, he's getting out of jail. I want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of the hugest stories. Um, Gennaro Wilson, I don't know if you're familiar with this kid. You mm-hmm. can Google it. And he had been in jail for statutory rape because he had mm-hmm. sex with a, a white girl, and he was black, and she was mm-hmm. 17, and mm-hmm. it was the, no, she was 16 at the time, and it was mm-hmm. the Romeo and Juliet law that was put right. in place not for him but for people who are old trying to have sex with younger women. Right. And I had worked this story for like six months, in my mind, six months to a year. I had developed this relationship with his mother. Hmm. And um, she, when I found out that he was getting out of prison because it had been repealed and appealed and appealed, appealed, um, it was a big story. And they took me off of it and gave it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt very, I felt a lot of ownership, Larry. Yes, I was I like, understand. how dare you take me off my story that uh-huh. I owned and gave birth to. <laughs> right. And so I think I, I didn't handle it well. And they couldn't get rid of me that day. Mm-hmm. But they told me to go talk to Jesse Jackson. And I turned went to my boss. That's bo- what your station said? That's what my, my news director said. And I said, mm-hmm. why in the hell should I talk to Jesse Jackson? He ain't got shit to do with this. I was so hot. Wow. And I let him know that that wasn't fair, what he wanted me to do. And he let me know he was the boss and mm-hmm. you go talk to Jesse Jackson. And he and he gave the actual nuts and bolts of the story to someone else who was calling me, asking me to explain it to her. Right. And so I was so, I was yeah. I was livid, Larry, but I didn't handle it the right way. Mm-hmm. I, I let everybody know I was livid instead of just yeah. doing my job, right? Um, do you think it would have been different if you were a man with that type of uh, of course attitude? Of and, course, um, if you're punished because this was a woman, let alone a black woman. It's almost that. How dare you? Oh, 100. Speak that way. 100. Uh huh. 100. Wow. 
And so uh, after that, uh, then you went to Florida. Was that your next stop? Or? No. Okay. So I went to West Virginia, and then I went to Florida, then I went to Atlanta, okay. and then uh, and then they were waiting for a reason to get rid of me because I was a pain in the butt, as I told you. Right. Um, yes. And then they fired well, you're me. Creating shit storms I was every a day. Shit of yeah. And or then they <laughs> and then they uh, they fired me. Who started me. this shit over here? Me, oh, that's Carrie. Carrie yeah, she started again, <laughs> once again, trouble maker. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and then they they fired me, but then they had to rehire me because I hired an attorney because I didn't think it was. Was shocking Ooh. I was fighting and then so uh-huh. I didn't get my job back and then I left because it was just like what's the point I went to Tennis Channel mm-hmm. then after Tennis Channel I went to ESPN and I ended up where I was supposed to be but here's the deal how long were you at the Tennis Channel? I was there for almost three years but after I left that station in Atlanta I had mm-hmm. to reinvent myself Larry okay now, that's now, when this is when sports came into so, play reinventing yourself that's something I've talked about a lot in my personal life with people who have and it's not complete reinvention, but I, I do think you have to take stock of your life at certain points. Where am I? Where am I going? That kind yeah. of thing. Is this working? Yeah. <laughs> you know, be realistic with yourself. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I talk about having indicators. I told my kids this. And I think what I mean by indicators, it's like, are there things happening that should be happening if you're in the right place? You know, um, like if you want to be a journalist, are you getting journalism jobs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, are things happening or are you not? You know, those are indicators. Those yeah. What are you doing to get to that next level? What are you? Yeah. Indi- yeah, I get so it. So what was your talk with yourself at that point when you're reinventing yourself? What, 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 what did you intend to do with that reinvention? Well, I just felt like I had a bad reputation because I was a mm-hmm. black woman who got fired. No one ever printed the rehiring. I just got fired for, mm-hmm. for maybe cursing on air. No video ever surfaced of me cursing. No audio of such thing ever sur- surfaced. But and, it was just. you felt that kind of reputation would follow you. Man. And I felt like I couldn't work in local news anymore. I felt mm. like they'd see me and be like, she's too much trouble. She's not worth it. She's, she, I can go find me another black girl who can behave. I don't wow. need this one. Because if she's going to be out here starting trouble, we'll go find another one. Yeah. And, and it's not that hard to do, especially in local news. You can find mm-hmm. someone who has a different personality. But I, I look, mm-hmm. that's why I became a journalist. I fight. Like, I can't help it. It's not in a bad way, but it's in yeah. a way to prove what's wrong. And that's at the core of everything I do and every story I tell. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if I see something that's not fair, I'll be the first person to be like, that's not fair and let's talk about it. Yes. But that's not how corporate America works and that's not how the world works. Right. And what I realized was that um, no matter how good my on-air was, my off-air needed to match because of what I look like. Very interesting. Now, when you say what you look like, um, for those of you that don't know, Carrie, please watch (gasps) television (laughs) now. Um, Because you made your big splash on Uh, First Take. Yeah. ESPN shows, Stephen A. Smith. Skip Bayless at the time. And Skip Bayless, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a huge sports fan, you know. And it was called First and Ten, I think, at one point. It had many inventions. Yes, it kind of evolved (laughs) Uh over it. But when Stephen A. joined Skip and you joined the show, it kind of took it to another level. It almost like... And my kids always called those shows, like, Daddy, how come Daddy's watching another arguing show? Uh-huh, <laughs> it's one uh-huh, of those arguing uh-huh, shows, uh-huh. you know. But, um, but your presence, you had like a charisma that kind of made that show a little different, you know. Aww. So when you talk about your looks, how does that play in what you're trying to do? And I always think women have an extra burden in things like sports and news because they can be punished for looking good and they can be punished for looking uh, in in a way that people think is is unfair, you know? right? Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Was that ever a, an issue with you that um, that you had to look a certain way, or or you just have your own style and you don't care what people think? What are you know? Uh, at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I'll go back a little. Because the guys don't have to worry about it. They yeah. put in a suit and nobody has a question about it. No one cares. Right. What I meant by my my off-air had to match my on-air. When I I was thinking, I really thought I was great at what I did. I, mm-hmm. I think looks, yes, do come into play. And I wasn't, and this is a funny story, I wasn't referring to what I look like. I've always been very... Um, a late bloomer, shall mm-hmm. we say? Like I, I, and everyone says this, but it's the truth. I think I really came into my own and being physically comfortable when I was like in my late twenties. Uh-huh. So I wasn't brought up being told. Were you, you always know, tall? Always tall. Okay. Were you awkward about being tall? I was. I had bad mm-hmm. posture. My shoulders like slump over a little mm-hmm. bit to this day. I still have a little bad posture, yeah. and I never wore heels. Now you can't keep me out of them, and that's yeah. just as a reminder <laughs> right. that I like being tall. Yes, you completely embraced <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm like, no, uh-huh. I'm taking over. Um, yes, but um, mm-hmm. so. Growing up, my mother never, or my, my parents were never, or my family were you're so pretty. It was always like, you're so smart. Mm-hmm. And so I've always valued that over over my looks. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I, I, do love to, I do love to look nice, and I mm-hmm. like my, 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 my dress-up style, if you will. But um, I don't think that people, init- I think initially they may be consumed by what they see. Right. But I think once you talk to me, you're, you forget about that quickly. At least I feel that way. Were you frustrated a bit by first take because you don't get a chance to really oh, no, was, talk much on that show? I it, gave you a good platform. It to was being, an excellent platform. Yeah. Can you imagine that double-edged sword? You don't really get to express your genius if you think you have it, but mm-hmm. you have an amazing platform. And people get to know you by yeah. whatever way they get to know you. Right. So when I quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to um, have an opinion or express my thoughts or do more than just moderate, I was like, I have to find a way to be me okay. without being... Um, Without without it stepping outside of whatever my role may be. So right? you were oh you're always kind of looking at yourself inside of oh, what I'm you're doing, right? I just I was just telling mm-hmm. I promise you I was just talking to my assistant about this. I was mm-hmm. like, you have to be so aware yes. of your presence, your surroundings, who you are. Right. I think that makes everybody great people, great journalists, great yeah. at whatever they do, whatever you're whatever you do in life, just be sure. aware. Like I'm consistently reevaluating and checking in and saying, because I'm, you know, we're like, you know how we are. Sure. Larry, we're overachievers. Yes. Right. We overthink and we like and we consistently want to say, did I do that right? Did I handle that right? Right. What can There's I do? There's a lot of perfectionism be, that goes into it, right. And how can we be better? Yeah. And so I think that this was a part of what it was. Now mind you, I remember and I tell this story to this day, Jamel mm-hmm. Hill called me up and said, We need to have lunch. I don't yeah. like the way that show work. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how they got you on there. She was like, she what you talking about first take? Yes. And wow. she was firing me up to go in there and, and cut off everybody's head. And then wow. I was like, fall mm. back. I was like, that's not my experience. Yeah. I was like, let me have this experience and I'll get back to you in a couple it's, of months. It's <laughs> like when you have that friend who's more militant than yeah, you are. Oh my you're like, God. shut up, shut up. You're missing I up. was like, you're going to make me go, go crazy. And I uh-huh. just, and, and what I was, remember I was telling you my lesson when I was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got in trouble for all that fire. So I was like, let me figure out right. where this fire goes. Like, I might keep it, but let me just figure out where it goes. Yeah. What What is the climate now for women in sports broadcasting? Like, let me ask you this. Let me put it this way. Do you think women have made bigger strides Playing sports or talking about sports like in the last 30 years, let's say, 20 years? No, I, you know, I don't think people respect women's sports except for Serena Williams and Venus, right? Because it's tennis. You think tennis. tennis is the only sport? You say people don't respect it? I just think Venus and Serena are exceptions to the rule. I think tennis, period, is an exception to the rule because of the money that you can make. It's equal prize money, right? So I feel as if— you think it's if, the money— I think, I think it's the money. I think it's the the greatness. I think you acknowledge how hard it is. I mm-hmm. think it's a combination of things. I just and I feel like it's a fan base. Like mm-hmm. for whatever reasons, you Ten, tennis is different. Tennis is just different, and you yeah. can really truly 
enjoy the women's as much as the men's. And you can't say that for every sport. Even soccer, while the women are much more popular, they don't mm. make that much money right. as the men do. And you know that. Like they've been, they've been battling with that for years. And so with right. money comes respect, like with any job, right? Mm-hmm. So with playing sports... I'd say people are starting to acknowledge it. It's the, for instance, WNBA just celebrated its 20th anniversary last mm-hmm. year. I, I, I'd be hard pressed to find some people who could name me five WNBA teams that right. didn't follow sports. Yeah, name name ten players currently playing in the league right now. Do you, now why why would you say why do why do you think that is? Because you brought up tennis. Um, is it be, is it because of the nature of comparing WNBA to NBA? Yes, above the rim. Yeah. Yes. There's so much athleticism in the NBA, and it's really become about that and dunking and all this. But yeah, you've been to a WNBA game, right? Absolutely. Don't you enjoy them? I love basketball, so I love watching competitive basketball. Right. I enjoy it, and I feel like it's fundamentals and it's at its best. Yes. And the women compete just as hard. Right. But we don't have the dunking. We don't have these out out amazing, uh, you know, amazing outlandish shots. We don't have we don't have a Steph Curry. We don't have a, a KD. Yeah. if you will, of the WNBA. And and that is because of the rules of the game, and I don't think people respect it. And they're not mm-hmm. going to respect it unless they start seeing other people, I think, like players respect it. So if we really legitimately start seeing folks like CP3 show up and KD start watching and Draymond Green start watching and going to these games and legitimately talking about it, they don't. They don't. So you think it needs people to pay more attention to it rather than it's something about the game itself. Yeah, because I, I, I enjoy the game. Really? Mm-hmm. I, but I enjoy basketball just like you do. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the game. I really do. I like WNBA. I yeah. like soccer. I love tennis. Tennis but is my heart. But you know interesting about tennis? To me, I, I've never made a distinction between women's tennis and men's tennis. When I was growing up, it was just tennis. You know why? Like I, that's like, all it's ever been. Yes, but Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett, to me, was unbelievable tennis. Right. As was McEnroe and Connors. Like, to me, I, okay. I didn't find that those were they different things. They always had theater. You right. notice that? Yes. There was always matches. theater right. in tennis with the men and with the women. And so yes, that's both. why you enjoyed were, it. They were equally as entertaining. That's why exactly. the disparity in money was always... A huge issue in tennis, that battle. It goes know. back to the battle of sexes. Yeah. Riggs and <laughs> right. Billie Jean King. That's like right. yeah. it literally and it was but it was always still very entertaining because yes. there was theater on both sides. And we didn't know the characters. Adam Silver said this. He said, We need more Serena Williams in the WNBA, meaning she's unapologetically Serena Williams. Yes. You're gonna give me every Part day of all her day. Swagger is what uh, makes her uh, So I'm interested. If you're gonna take yeah. this ball and throw it down the linesman's, you know, a judge's face and throw it whatever, do it, Serena, I'm here for it. Go ahead. Yeah. You're you're angry? I'm here for this. Serena, tell me why. Who you mad at, boo? Like right. I was here for all of that. So yes. you need more of that, I think, in the WNBA. But I don't feel like, I don't feel like it's marketed well, and I definitely mm-hmm. don't think there's enough interest. And that's because there's no money. And back to the whole money issue. Money moves so much. If they yeah. had more money, if they had more marketing, if they had other people really supporting it in a very, in a different way, you'd understand it. But because, mm-hmm. I mean, because it's really good. It is, yeah. it, and it's evolved. But I think women who talk about sports have advanced, back mm-hmm. to your original question, far more than those who play it yeah. currently. It seems like there's a lot more who, there, there's less and less of distinction being made. You know, there's, sure. it used to be a big deal for. But it takes a while. Yeah. It takes a while. Like when I was on First Take, you, I, I had 500 followers when I first got on that show. So by a month in, I had maybe 16,000 followers. Mm-hmm. I remember like it was yesterday, and about about 90% of them followed me to tell me I sucked or yeah. that I was an idiot or I was stupid. And they were they were waiting for me to make a mistake. Like, right. I remember 
you know, Stephen A or or even Skip for that matter, they say something wrong and it's okay, no big deal. Stephen A, I forgot homeboy name. Y'all know his name? <laughs> right. What's his name? I don't know his name. And then it'd be right. okay. But let me say, I forgot somebody's yes. name. Yes, she doesn't know. You're an idiot. You're stupid. Go home. Like, it was just the right. worst. And you just had to embrace it and know that that's what it was going to be until they finally let you in and said, okay, yes. you're, you're part of the club. I'll let you come and sit. And sometimes your identity as a woman... Uh, but up against an actual issue itself. I remember you talked to Floyd Mayweather, mm. and there was a lot of, uh, I mean, yeah. you got a lot of. Uh, they hated me. Yeah, people were just hating on you. They hated me, yeah. Why do you think that is? You Because uh, you brought up the whole issue of domestic, uh, his history of domestic abuse and that sort of thing. Right? Yeah, it started with me, it started with being on first take, because that's when the super fight was. Yeah. Stephen A uh, had a lot of access to Floyd, and he and Floyd, I don't know if they're friends, but Floyd really likes them, mm -hmm. and gave him a lot of access, and one day we were on the show, and we were talking about it, and, and, and Stephen A kind of, and I kind of got into it, and I was like, I don't respect him. I said, I can't right. root for somebody I don't respect. I yeah. said, he hits women, he goes, that's not my, that's none of my business. I said, how's that none of your business? Wow. Because his point is like, don't get into, at the time, not anymore, mm -hmm. at the time he was taking the stance of, you don't get into someone's personal life. And I agree with that, because if it doesn't affect what they're doing on and off the court, in and out of the ring, then so be it. However, we're coming, it was all, it was like a perfect storm. It was right, mm -hmm. right after Ray Rice, and Big Mouth Floyd, opened his mouth and said, what? He got suspended for seven games? That don't make no sense. They need to, that's not even a big deal. Right. Like, and everyone was like, Floyd, did you, wait a second, did you see the video? Did you just say that out loud? And so then it put all eyes on his domestic violence and his past and what he had never addressed and what so many journalists dropped. Mm -hmm. Journalists were not questioning. They never questioned him about what he did. Yeah. They let it slide. He went, I mean, he literally They gave him went, a pass. I talked about this with the whole Cosby situation. Sometimes people get a pass because yes. they're talented. Yep. You know, and talent should have nothing to do with the fact that you did something horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know. They let him pass. Yeah. And so he, but he, he took that for granted. He thought he was untouchable and uh, he wasn't. Yeah. And then uh, he came on the show. This is so funny. Um, and I was like, I just, I went to my, I went to my boss. I said, I'm asking him about his. Right. About his domestic violence I, I'm history. I'm keep it real. And he looked at me and he goes, okay. And I said, I'm just. I'm just telling you, like, mm -hmm. don't don't pull me in the office. Don't be like, how dare you? Why did yeah. you? And I and they were like, no. And they supported me to their credit, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, and and he's addressed it. And I just felt I felt like he talked about it with me. I think and answered it better than I thought he would. I was mm -hmm. I, I was actually impressed by him addressing it. Uh -huh. And then I his his people were like moving in my eye line as I was doing right, the right. They're creeping like, over. No, you're not. And I'm looking at, the, and I'm looking like I don't see you, and I'm about to keep going. Right? Uh -huh. I didn't care. I was fearless in that moment, mm -hmm. only because I wanted him to answer that question. And I said, Floyd, and I'm speaking for me. I was a, I was a fan of your work. I was like, women are fans of your work. Yes. How do you speak to that that contingency of women who support you, but yet you have a history of domestic well, violence? Well, there almost has to be cognitive dissonance where you have to compartmentalize that, and if you're a human being with feelings, how can you do that? You can't. <laughs> right. And, you know, look, I yeah. haven't, I'm not a victim of domestic violence. No, mm -hmm. no one that I know of, near and dear to me, mm -hmm. has has been in, hurt by that. And, and you know, I got all this slack about, you ain't got no man, that's why you feel that way. And why you, you taking down, no why man. you taking down a brother? Why you taking mm -hmm. down a black man? He just a self-made black man. Is this one person saying all no, these things? No, it was a chorus. <laughs> it was a chorus. And, and I mentioned Jamel. Jamel was in my yeah. mentions tearing everybody up because they was going at my throat. And Jamel she was like, Hill, oh, yeah. the other yes. very talented. The other uh, talented. You, yes. You're a friend, yes. Yeah. Was, she was Jamel. very, She's very awesome. upset because they were so mean to me. But I was yeah. okay with it because I was like, if I wouldn't want you to be a fan of mine if you think his 
his domestic violence history isn't an issue or right. if you don't care about it because that could be your mother that could be your sister that could be your daughter that could Absolutely. be that could be any woman you care about in your family and you and you, and he could be on the other end and you're going to excuse it because he is Well that's how it perpetuates talented like come well, it on perpetuates because it does get not talked about and excused and all those types of things so. I don't know I don't I I was I was surprised and mm-hmm. and quite frankly I thought he handled himself well I think he answered the question right. as good as he can he never will admit to it mm-hmm. all I was hoping he would say was See, this would never even be an issue. And this is my this is always my advice to athletes. Mm-hmm. If you ever get caught in a situation and, and there's evidence and there's documented evidence, just be like, my bad. I'm sorry. I effed up. I'm mm-hmm. figuring it out. I'm trying to get help. Move on. Don't ignore it. Don't be arrogant about or it. Or not do it in the first place. I'm, right. Well, and, and by the way, <laughs> kudos to my co-anchor, David Lloyd. He was like, Floyd, right. he was like, excuse me, are you saying the cops just came to your house because you're a famous boxer? There's right. plenty of famous no, boxers no, where the cops it. are not. Like, he was just like, no, just what, are you, what are you talking yeah. about? And I, I don't know. And I mean, I just had to ask him. I think he answered it to the best of his ability. Right. I don't hate Floyd. People ask me that to say, do you hate him? I was just like, I didn't like the arrogance associated with domestic violence because mm-hmm. it perpetuates this, this, this thing, this thing that women don't matter in our society. And we all, we listen. Right. We are, we are second class citizens in so many ways. Yes. And the irony and we of, deal with it. of the brutal sport that he was in at the same time. It seems to be there's this huge intersection now with athletes and activism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there seems to be at the same time, you know, people, what you do, the sports journalists and reporters and activism and people feel like there's a crossing of the line here. There was a lot of talk that ESPN's ratings were lower because people mm-hmm. thought they were too far on the left mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. What is your take on that area? Oh, no, we're not. They, you know, are, they mm-hmm. don't want us to talk politics and I don't mm-hmm. think that we do. But I think that when you have central figures in sports talking mm-hmm. politics, then we have to talk politics mm-hmm. there's like the separation of church are you and state. cool because you're old as you say you're oh, i'm sorry go ahead you're gonna i was saying the separation of church and state is no like mm-hmm. i feel like politics and sports go hand in hand and mm-hmm. i don't understand why people don't see that it's it be, if the, we have we have what do you mean they go hand in hand politics we, and sports we sing the national anthem mm-hmm. before the game we, we used to have the flyovers sometimes we do there's right. so many patriots <laughs> there's so many patriotic you could say symbols. militarism uh, and yeah. sports goes hand in hand we yeah. have so many of those symbols yeah. in our everyday sports how is it you know how we're flipping a coin to yeah. decide who goes like there's so many small symbols if not large symbols of, yeah. of, of a political influence in everyday sports and, and mm-hmm. we have this group of people who say stick to sports it's, it's not realistic because they go hand in hand and I'm sorry that's just the nature of what it is today and mm-hmm. and it goes back to and this is even you can take it back before Paul Robeson I took a class on you know you know who he is Come on. of course right. you're a genius I'm sorry forgive me no, should I go home I don't think should I go home should I leave of course not <laughs> I want you to stay here all day we're going to talk about Paul Robeson <laughs> I took a class on him in, uh, at UCLA yeah. and I, that man was just a true renaissance man I knew nothing about him but my professor talked yeah. about this man like he was walking on water and I fell in love with that person sure. and I had to I went to the place to find out more about who he was but he was everything he was mm-hmm. all of those things that an athlete should be right and then you look we had muhammad ali and and he they hated muhammad ali mm-hmm. but he was so vocal and proud and honest about who he was and what wasn't right i'm here for that that was politics and sports uh then you had bill russell kareem abdul jabbar mm-hmm. you know like james brown the list goes on and on the summits like come on we always had it yeah, we've always had it, but it hasn't always been a clean relationship. I mean, when you think I don't think of, it ever will be. Yeah, I mean, when you think of uh, the 1968 Olympics, you know, and the and the Black Power salute, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Tommy Smith, and we had uh, him on. I yeah. love him. And uh, but they were 
pretty much blackballed after that. I mean, and that moment lasted about three seconds on the stand. It really didn't even last that long, but it was immortalized well, in look, the in what's the photograph. Going on with Colin? You know, for someone, Colin Kaepernick. You know, and I always felt the issue with Colin Kaepernick. For those of you, you know, uninitiated, of course, he was the San Francisco 49er quarterback who decided to kneel during the, the national anthem as a silent protest for police brutality in America. But he he really didn't. People asked him why he was kneeling. He, he didn't, he didn't like, volunteer. He didn't volunteer. He didn't say, hey, guys, guess what? I so, know. I'm kneeling because. Oh, y- y'all are singing the uh-huh. National Anthem. Uh, Motherfuckers, I'm, I'm going to kneel right now until we stop killing. <laughs> he was not. Yeah, they he, asked him, and then we made it a story. It was a silent protest. Yeah, yeah, it seems like he got punished for the media creating a bigger story than mm-hmm. what he. it seemed like he intended. It almost seemed like a silent protest to me. Okay, so... So and by funny. silent, I meant it was it, his own personal it, thing. And he had been doing that. We mm-hmm. hadn't paid attention to him because he wasn't the starting quarterback. And when he got benched and he was the backup for the 49ers, mm-hmm. he was, it was a transformation taking place mm-hmm. that none of us paid attention to because he wasn't the starting quarterback and the 49ers were bad. Yeah, that but was a bigger story. Right? right? And if you followed his Instagram posts, you just noticed all of a sudden it went from pictures of him being a model to pictures of him with black fists and a right. message. <laughs> right, and, right. and I was like, and I remember saying yeah. this to one of my friends. I was like, he's mighty militant these days. Yeah, he's got an afro now. Why like, is he what? wearing cornrows? Yeah, like, what's all going on? Right. And then here we are six months later and the story broke. And I'm all like, no, he's been on this for some time. Something happened mm-hmm. between the time he injured himself and couldn't play anymore and he, whatever transformation that was, or maybe it was already there because when he became really famous, he he appeared mm-hmm. to be very surface, very look at me and my abs. Right. And then, uh, <laughs> then all of a sudden, and it was, probably wasn't even all of a sudden, just he just made it more vocal to, to right. us on Instagram, to social media followers and things of that nature. Yeah. And then we made it a story. And then he's now being punished because of a story we made. Do you we think he's being punished? It. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Is he what? blackballed, do you think? Or do you I, think he's going to play on a team? I think he has to play on a team so the league doesn't look mm-hmm. bad. I think Roger Goodell has to call in a favor and say, mm-hmm. this is the right situation for Colin. And I'll tell you why. Um, the, the quarterbacks that are getting jobs right now, like no offense, like a Blaine Gabbert and, mm-hmm. and, and, and people who really did not have as much to do um, or have as much success as Colin had or have jobs. Right. That's just, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like he can, he's, he's, a, he's a serviceable backup for someone. Well, I think there was kind of a collusion by the owners, that silent collusion um, of not wanting to rile their fans or whatever. I, I, my take on that whole Colin thing, I've talked about it, I think, I don't know if I've talked about it here, but in other places, I felt people disagreed with his premise on that. Like, um, people said they were upset that he disrespected the national anthem, you know, and and by extension disrespected the military or police or whatever. But I feel it was what he was kneeling about was police brutality. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, if he said, well... I'm kneeling during the national anthem because I think this country can do a better job with breast cancer. I think way too many women are dying mm, of breast cancer. They'd be okay with it. Uh, they'd be jumping out they'd of their chairs. Like, Thank Good you. for you, Colin. You're, You're right. right. We can you do a better right. job. You know? You're right. Right. No one had a problem with the national anthem. They had a problem with why he mm. was kneeling. Mm. You know what? They disagreed with his premise. <laughs> you know. That's 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 genius. It puts it in a whole different light. No, right? you're so right. It makes because me even, yeah, who no. could disagree with a sign? And it was a silent protest, so nobody could disagree b- with it. And by the way, he and was, by the way, kneeling is a sign of respect. He was <laughs> remember he do, was I'm sitting Catholic. down. That's what you do in church it's, during it's a, the holiest it's of moments. It's is reverence. You kneel. It's Correct. A, he was sitting right. down at first. Yeah. Remember, he was yes. sitting, and right. then everyone got upset. So he's like, "Here's my compromise. Right. I'll kneel." Well, you sit when you're when your knees hurt. Yeah, you can't kneel anymore. That's how that works. But no, you're right. I 
Wow, that's crazy. It's it's a deeper issue than has been presented, I think. Okay, we don't have a lot of time, but Laker fans, real quick, mm-hmm. what should they do? We haven't, uh, we don't know yet. Should they pick uh, Lonzo Ball? Oh, gosh. You know, I had somebody on the show the I other like day. I like that on Fox, by the way. Okay, by the way. I ain't mad at him at all. I heard that he's the favorite. He I, I he ain't put, mad at him He at put all. 35 on my Bruins. Yes. So... Or 39, I think. He's got a killer instinct. He's one of those players that could be like a Dwayne Wade. In he my has mind. he has yeah. a workout today. It happened. It's probably yeah. happening or or happened this morning. Yeah. I'm not mad at him. Oh, yeah, I think no, he's, a good he's good. Yeah. Um, he's a sleeper. You know, I don't like the. He could be a Kawhi Leonard. He could be a Kawhi Leonard, and mm-hmm. I'd be okay with that. To me, yeah. Kawhi Leonard is arguably the best yeah. that we have right now. Next, no, I like Russell. Let me go back. I always go back and forth. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to pick him because of the story, and it's a great story. But I, I've been told Lonzo, that you're talking yes, about. I've mm-hmm. been told that they weren't that happy with him. I've, I've, I, I was told his conditioning was an issue. I'm like, how can a 19 year old not be in condition? I don't want to hear yeah. that. I'm not a fan of the whole dad thing. Too. Yeah, and I, and I think I, he's he's hogging too much attention. I agree. Yeah, I, I did like. Okay, let me tell you what I did like. What the dad did. Mm-hmm. How often do we see a black man so loud and proud of their kids and in their lives and and making sure they're doing right. And you see, I, res- I mean, when I talk about one of the most well-behaved, respectful kids I've ever met, that's quote-unquote a superstar, I mm-hmm. say that about Lonzo. And I know right. it, it's not just because of his mama. I know his dad had something to do with it. So some of his bluster bothers mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But the way that, that Lonzo and Melo present themselves, I I do believe they know how to be. You know, and what I sure. mean by that is that they've been raised appropriately. They're not out in these streets trying to be silly. Right. I feel that way. I'm not a, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. I don't know, sure. you know. But, but I agree with you. Some of the stuff his father does is out of line. I just think he's too hoggy for the spot. He is too hoggy, but we mm-hmm. do we say do we Yeah, I say it about everybody that's hoggy. Yeah, I don't but I think in general, <laughs> I think in general we don't say it about everybody. I think not I you do, do yeah. but if you're hoggy, you're hoggy. We're not saying that about Archie. Archie was a pro football player himself. That's fine. Was it? Does not mean that he's he okay? To, can he manipulate where his boys go? Is that? Does that give him the right to determine where they go? Does no, that give him the right to call I, up the commissioner and say, "I I'm think not this should happen"? Archie's not hoggy. Okay, so but my point right. is, we as a media, popular thought, right. no one was mad at Archie. And I was like, Archie, how dare you say that about Peyton or Eli? Or you mm-hmm. try to have something to say about where they go? How yeah. he, you don't think he really wants to be in San Diego? You think he wants to be in New well, York? Well, parents have done that before. Elway's dad did that, you know, out of Stanford and, and this, that kind of and, stuff. And, yeah. and, and this guy's <clears throat> doing it very loudly. Yeah. And very incorrectly. <laughs> right. But it's not the first time it's been done. I know. It's just, it just bugs me. I, I agree. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm just saying there's also the other side of this. I agree with you. Sure. You I know. agree with you. But I think that, I, I think they might surprise us and take Josh because I heard Josh said he wasn't Josh Jackson. Who Josh said, Jackson, very good player. Yeah. He said he wasn't going to work out for the Celtics, which I like. I like what I'm hearing with there. And then I think it's, I think it's, I think it's up in the air. Yeah. And my gut says, you know, Lonzo, because it's a good story, but mm-hmm. I think it's up in the air. We might get De'Aaron Fox, we'll like you said. I'm not mad at that. Do you have you talked to Magic? I, I don't I, whatever. I have a relationship with Magic. You, I don't, do, you don't have him on speed dial? No, down? I'm not like you. I can't just call Magic. You can call Magic. You were just talking to Magic. I mean, you could call Magic. You and Magic. I actually had a conversation with Magic Johnson when he was still Irvin Johnson. The, well, when before was that? his first game as a Laker <laughs> oh, in a barbershop. We talked it. for about 45 minutes. I'll never forget it. He, it was so cool. And I played back in the day when I played ball that you don't believe I did. I do. But I played with a lot of people that he had played with uh-huh. at the time, um, including Bill Duffy, who went to my school. Goes uh-huh. like a big sports agent now, and it was the best time that I ever had. Years later, I then took a picture with Magic and Jordan when their Olympic uniforms. I was doing a thing for 
Jim Thorpe Pro Sports Awards uh-huh. where we're giving Jordan uh-huh. an award. Uh-huh. And, you know, of course, he had no idea who I was. But there's a, I still have a picture where my eyes are like, what doesn't belong in this picture? <laughs> I was just like, as they say, fangirling all of that, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. But uh, I'm a huge Magic Johnson fan, of course. I think he's the greatest of all time. Do you really? Opinion. Do you honestly? Absolutely do. Over, Be- over Michael Jordan? Here's the thing, Karen. Okay. Oh, uh, when People you say put- my name, I get nervous. Yeah, because, you know, I'm serious. Yeah. Right? Here's the thing. People t- put too much emphasis on individual ability and not the ability to win. And and it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. Yeah. OK, yeah. Michael Jordan as an individual player was amazing. In fact, it took all of Phil Jackson's efforts to convince Michael Jordan that this team was more important than his ability to score at will, mm. right? Jordan went to the triangle reluctantly, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Not graciously. Mm-hmm. There was nothing gracious <laughs> about his style, as you know, uh-huh. right? Having said that, he's an unbelievable player and arguably is the greatest of all time, although I would put Kareem up there in terms of mm. you're talking about individual talent and yeah. the ability to yeah. dominate he, a game. And he's he the gets, all-time leading scorer. forgotten. Magic Johnson transformed the game. Yes. And I'll give Bird credit there, yep. too. He yep. transformed the style of the game, and it was a completely a team aspect. Uh-huh. And he was able to dominate by playing as a team. That's how Magic dominated, he, because his team dominated. And to me... That makes him the goat. Sorry, okay, that's just no. my opinion. I, well, first of all, you're talking two Laker fans talking right. to each other. This is ridiculous. This whole conversation. Yes, exactly. I agree with you. I think you are a genius. I don't know why you're not in the front office of every NBA team. So. Thanks, Carrie. Uh, Carrie's you the are amazing. Champion. No, um, mm-hmm. I when I had that conversation, only yeah. a little, only a little bit of it. Sorry, I'm eating your mic. Only a little that's bit right. of it uh, got uh, was was released. But I asked Pat Riley, who was the greatest. I right. said, you've you've been with the greatest in LeBron. You've been yeah. with the greatest in Magic and Shaq. And Shaq, right. Andy Wade, not that he, they would say that. Right. The list goes on and on. Yeah. You you know who, you know, Matt, you watch Michael Jordan. Who is the greatest of all time? He was mm-hmm. like, Magic Johnson, no questions asked. Not just because. Riley and I agree. He was like, you and Riley are a genius. He's like, mm-hmm. just because he's standing right here, he's like, I've, I've been with the greatest. I've coached the greatest. I've taught the greatest. Yes. I know the greatest. And he is the greatest. And I said, I agree wholeheartedly. And it was the same reasons that you just laid out. Muhammad Ali wasn't undefeated, but I think he was the greatest. Talk about it. There you go. All right, before you go, yeah. on your show, uh, you do this top oh. five top five uh, dun, list, dun, dun, which dun. is fantastic. I love it. Um, and by the way, watch Coast to Coast, you guys. Um, I think on the West Coast, it's, 9 it's on at 9 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you and David Lloyd are just a great pair. Are you, you just saying that? Cause I mean, no, you guys have so much chemistry together. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Thank you. I appreciate it. You do. It. It's great. It's You're a lot of fun You're wonderful. Like crying, I don't want to leave. <laughs> Don't leave. Um, you're going to be hosting uh, the uh, Battle of the Network Stars. They're yep. doing a reboot of that. Mm-hmm. They're doing a reboot of that, mm-hmm. June 29th. And you have fun Thursday. I had a good time on that. It was it was a it was a ode to Howard Cosell, if you will. Yes, and I know you don't make. Uh, career plans anymore, but where are you going, Carrie? What is, be, oh my God, Larry, I don't know. What it, is your desk? Are you eventually going know. to that White House? Are I, you going to be doing that? I, I, you know, Larry, I wish I could answer that question. Remember mm-hmm. how you say I noticed you're constantly reevaluating yes. reevaluating yourself in life? Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. Okay. I have no idea. Yes, what's you're next. at that moment. I'm right at that now. moment. You brought this is perfect timing. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because you brought yes. that up. So I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. I agree with that. I don't know. Okay, top five sports announcers. Of dun, all dun, time. Dun, dun. I'll give you my. You want to go, go no, first? You go or first. Okay, you go first. I'll go first. And now I have a couple of ties. And you've gotten them all written down a, too. I know because I didn't want to forget. Okay, so my number five, I have a tie. Uh-huh. Jim McKay and Chris Shanko. Why a tie? Okay, because they were the voice of Wide World of Sports, ABC's Wide World of Sports, and changed the way sports was announced. That's and their voices 
are just, just, I think sports when I hear Jim McKay. And the way he covered the 72 Olympics mm. in Munich and everything. Look at you. Just cannot be forgotten. Okay. And I put Chris Schenkel in there too because his voice, their voices to me are pure sports voices. Mm. And they're, they're just iconic. You know, mm-hmm. I hear, I can hear either of their voices and I'm just thinking. Sports. There's some great sports thing about mm-hmm. to happen. Okay. Number four, I picked John Madden. Mm-hmm. Who is that's uh, good. He changed color commentary. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first coaches to be in the booth mm-hmm. before they just have former players. Mm-hmm. But he was a coach mm-hmm. who came in, was so colorful. His his influence is still being felt today. Absolutely. You know, people are still coming when John Madden started in the late 70s right. or whatever. Uh, I have another tie. <laughs> I know you don't like ties, five is like but these top ties 20. are important to me. Yeah. How you have a top 20 on top five? I know, exactly. I know. <laughs> so these numbers don't make sense. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the last one should have been number seven. Which yeah. is why, look, I promise like you. all my math nerds are going to say, Larry, your top yeah, five doesn't time, make sense. T- right? But this is why it's every day, honestly, it is a struggle. It's hard, And yeah. that's what people yell at us. You forgot. Yes, you forgot. I'm like, no, I we didn't forget. We I only arg- have five. I argue at the TV set when I watch you do it. So now you know. Right. Okay, so number three, I have a tie between Chick Hearn and Harry Carey. Okay, because There's no tie. But because well, Chick Hearn and Harry Carey are two local announcers who are legends. There is no tie. I'm telling you, they okay. are together here. They are okay. entwined because okay. they're both legends who did this for long periods of time, and they were icons of their cities. Mm-hmm. You know, and their voices are indelible, and their style is indelible. Every word they said leaves a mark. You know, from Chick and his yeah, put him in the popcorn machine to Harry Carey. You know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Okay, number two. Ben Scully. Number two. You, this is a two? tough one. You put him at two? I did because of my number one. Okay, I know where you're going. Well, I had to put, Ben Scully could be number one. Yeah, all right. Well, you look, by the way, you name 18 people. You know I'm going to name 20. Go ahead. Because <laughs> I don't like it, but go on. I'm putting Ben Scully number two reluctantly, but it I first did. had him at number one. Uh-huh. I could switch it back. Uh-huh. But this, <laughs> you know, I may, t- I may turn it back around. Can I change my mind here? No. No, you okay. can never be on the show. You would not, <laughs> you'd be awful on our show. That'd be horrible. You got You let me tell you. Every morning we just send the email around. Yeah. That's it. Bye. We send it off. We okay. can't fool with it anymore. All right. Okay. I'll admit number two. Okay. Although I I do admit that he can be number one. It's hard to put Vince Scully oh, number God. two. And look, what do I need to say about Vince Scully? Vince Scully. Everything. Vince Scully can narrate called your life. Dodger games yeah. when Jackie Robinson was playing for Talk the Dodgers. Talk about it. Preach. You know, and his, he called the, the catch for the 49ers. You know, he's covered golf. He's covered every sport, and you always feel like you're at home when Vince yeah. Scully is calling uh, again. Uh-huh. He's the fireside chat. Yeah, no, right? he's sitting at your house right now. Okay, number one, I pick, on a personal level, I pick Howard Cosell. Of course. Because I knew that, yeah. I was such a big fan of Muhammad Ali growing up. Sure. And Howard Cosell. Uh, and, uh, uh, yes. Howard Cosell, uh, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Look right there. Uh-huh. Down goes Frazier. Uh huh. Down goes Frazier. But Howard Cosell. We are nerds. Was not. No. <laughs> he was not only a sports journalist, he was a white man who befriended yes. one of the most reviled black men. And they had the at best a time relationship. In the 1960s. Yes. And he called him by the name he ch- wanted to be called by Muhammad Ali. Yeah. When very few white men on camera would do that. Name, We're talking about 1965, 66. Preach, brother. That's what Howard Cosell did. Mm-hmm. And he he elev- he was elevated by Ali, yes. But Ali's story was elevated by Howard Cosell. Their relationship yes. is, is it's what great stories are made of. I think so. Um, my, beat that. Uh, well, first of all, you named 10 people. So <laughs> yes. I... I, I <laughs> I can't beat that because I'm two, only going to. Well, I have seven. Oh, uh-huh. it's people. okay. I'll taste it. All right. So, Mm-mm. interestingly enough, mine might be a little new. 
in terms of like you gave me a David list. You went to historical. Um, yes. But you gave me a David list. I'm old school. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. but I, I have a mix. Like for me, because some of the people that you talk about, some of the, the like for instance with Howard Costa, I don't. I remember. I don't remember him calling that fight. I've heard it a million times. Mm-hmm. I know of the right. relationship he had with Muhammad sure. Ali. Um, and we mentioned Battle of the Network of Stars. Battle yes, of the Network of Stars. He actually did that too. He You're hosted that. He yeah. did. Yeah. And and we wore yeah. these yellow jackets with Wide World of Sports. Yes. You know, That's right great. here. Oh, man, I can't yeah. Wait. I, ours were. We wore yeah. shirts, and then the guys wore jackets. But it was it was in honor because it still wanted to say we wanted to honor Howard Cosell and yes. what and when television stars were television stars remember mm-hmm. they had like Telly Savalas on there yeah, they that's had right. they had like Gabe Kaplan on there uh, they I had remember. Billy Crystal when he was a TV yes. star they had like these people were like. My, my first Daily Show piece, I had I showed the Joe Frazier piece where he couldn't swim. Yeah, because I was trying to prove that brothers can't swim because <laughs> they cannot. Well, what are you um, do? So mine's different. So okay. And I, I might, I might two A, three B like you, but whatever. I'm going right. go with number five, Iron Eagle. Are you familiar with him? No. Iron Eagle, um, and this is a personal story of mine, uh, calls everything. He calls tennis, he calls hockey, he calls basketball, he calls okay. football. His voice is everywhere, and he may not always be on the A team, but he's definitely there on the B team, if not the A team, right. or the B minus team, meaning he doesn't always get the big games, but he gets the game, the games that matter. And when I first started working at Tennis Channel, he pulled me aside and gave me some advice that was the most solid thing that I could ever, ever remember. And, and, and to this day, I remember when I got the job at First Take, he says mm-hmm. to me, just listen. No one will ever doubt you're smart. Yeah. Just listen. Nice. You'll be the best journalist ever if you just listen. So and it's I t- kind of a personal number Personal five. because when I listen to him, mm-hmm. he's just excellent at everything he does. He yeah. never, he never just, all right, let me just mail this in a day. I mean, he's always well read. He studies a lot. I just, I love everything about him. And, and to that end. It's very similar to me when I think of, a, I give a 4B, because okay. I'm going to give you two at four, See? this tie, mm-hmm. Mike Tirico. I love Mike Tirico, yeah. Mike Tirico can call a high school yep. a high school track meet and make you think it's he, the most important thing in yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. And excellence personified. Yeah. I enjoy excellence. I like to watch it. I like to me witness too. it. I like to be a part of it. And that is excellence. Yeah. Uh, four then would be Jim Nats because my 4B was Mike Tirico. I call it a tie. You say A and B. I, just, so I wasn't going to do that until you did it. I'm right. like, well, if he's doing all that, I'm doing it too. Right. So then uh, Jim Nance because Jim Nance is awesome. Man. Smooth, right? Yes, he is. It's just smooth. He's it's just like great. it just makes sense. It makes yeah. me. It's like cashmere to my ears. It's like it makes sense. You I'm feel like you're in good it. hands when he's announcing. I feel like I'm in great hands. Right. Um, number three is Shakern uh, because I grew up here. Both of our number threes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no. No tie there. Just him. He has a wonderful place mm-hmm. in my heart. Um, he. He. It's a rite of passage living in Los Angeles and being a Laker yep. fan. His voice was how you lived your life. You, Absolutely. You, you could just. You. I remember. I remember that one time we had a barbecue and we were watching mm-hmm. the Laker game and you could hear him yes. letting us know it was over because. He would yes. wrap it up, right? That's How right. do you wrap it up with it's this? In the refrigerator. It's in the refrigerator. That's right. Um, Eggs cooling, butter's getting hard. Talk, talk to me about it, <laughs> Laker fan. And mm-hmm. then number, and this is, I'm back there with you. One and two are interchangeable. Two, Vince Gully. See, now you gave me shit about my put, me putting we, Vince Gully number two. Do you not watch the show? This is the routine. We do the back and forth. We I give each other a hard time. Mind. And yeah. number one, Howard Cosell. I was always going to put Howard Cosell. You got my top three. It, it happens because there's not that many great ones, right? Okay. It happens. Although my my last three you didn't have. Like the fact that you didn't have Mike Tirico was downright disrespectful. I thought about Mike Tirico and Jim Nance. It's downright disrespectful. It's not disrespectful. It's downright you disrespectful. You forgot about the voice of ABC White World of Sports, uh, yeah. Jim McCain. Because it was a little before my time. And the Munich Olympics. Uh, uh, definitely before my time. Jim? So I was talking about what I know. <laughs> so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> those are the ones that I know. So our, our lists are great. That's okay. Our but top ten. 
<laughs> I know. I think they're awesome. Well, here's what I know. There are many, many runners up, but there are very few champions. Oh. And I'm very happy to have Ms. Carrie Champion. Carrie, thank you so much for being Thank you for having me here. You're a pleasure. You going to come back and see me again? Um, Larry, I'm the hugest fan. Yes! That's like, come on. Not even a question. Let's go find some colored ladies. Shall we? (laughs) Meet my colored lady. (laughs) Uh, Colored on the air. That'll be my next show. (laughs) Thanks, Kate.